0: So good morning. Um, we're going to continue on a, a bit of a run through Colossians, and we're looking this morning at Colossians 1:21 to 23. So it's quite a short little passage, but you know there's quite a lot in it. So once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. Sarah had become a servant. Thing is, in this passage, as in many of Paul's passages, it's kind of a a timeline almost that runs through it. So you've got the the once, then there's the now, and then there's the what's coming. So once, we were separated from God. We were alienated. And I think too often we kind of go, oh, because I'm sinful... God can't come near me. You know, we think we're separated from God because of what we've done. But actually, I think what the Bible teaches is that actually we're separated from God more by what goes on in our minds about what we've done. Yes, it's sin that separates us, but it's not because he won't come close to us it's because we won't come close to him we feel ashamed we feel separated by that and it says here you know we were separate, we were enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior it's what's going on in our minds that makes us the enemy and makes us alienated we hide from god And we don't do it very well. Like this child hiding in the cupboard. God still sees us. He still knows where we are. And he still comes close. We see it in Genesis 3. The very first time that we recorded that someone sins. The first thing they do is hide. Because in their own minds, they can't come close to God. And actually, God immediately comes to them. God comes close to them when they have sinned. God comes close to us when we have sinned. And God wants to come close now to us, even though we have sinned. We have done stuff that is wrong. We've missed the mark at times. We sometimes think of those great big passages, particularly in the Old Testament, things like Isaiah 6, where there's a guy, Isaiah, he suddenly finds himself in the temple, in the presence of God. God has called him there. God has said, Come close. But his immediate reaction is, I'm sinful. I can't come this close. And God says, That's okay. And he cleanses him. And that's what he wants to do for each and every one of us. He wants to say, I know that when you come this close, it feels scary. I know that when you come this close, you notice the stuff in your life that's just not right. But God says, that's okay, because I love you. So Paul here is saying, you were alienated from God and enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. Don't let what's going on in your mind, that lie that Satan tells us, that he says, you're not forgiven, you're not good enough, you're not able to come close. That's a lie. That's not true. God says, I want to come close. I want to find you in that cupboard that you are hiding from me. And I want to just draw you out. I want to bring you close so that I can talk to you face to face. He doesn't want to talk to our feet that are sticking out of a cupboard. You know, when we see in Jesus, he comes, he doesn't spend time with those who are holier than thou. He comes and spends time with those that are sinners. Because that's what our God does. So we don't have to be alienated from God. We don't have to be enemies of God. As I was praying and reading and thinking about this one, the dwarves in Narnia came to mind. At some point in time, it was inevitable that I'd come around to Narnia. Um, in the last battle, C.S. Lewis uses this little group of people who have been deceived and who've suddenly realized that they've been deceived. And he he's a huge you know, really keen observer of human nature as C.S. Lewis really was. And I don't know how many of you have read The, the Last Battle or have heard it, audio book, whatever. Um, but the dwarves don't believe. They're so frightened of being deceived again that they lock themselves in their own mind. And they are in a stunning place. They're in a beautiful place. It's almost the sort of the foothills of heaven is the way that C.S. Lewis is, is trying to portray it. But in their own minds, they're trapped. They think they're in a smelly stable with straw and thistles and nasty smells, and it's completely black. They can't see a thing. And they turn around, and they say, we haven't let anyone take us in. So they haven't been deceived, The dwarves are for the dwarves. They're completely determined. They're going to be for themselves. And Aslan turns around to the children that have been saying, can't you do something about this? And he says, you see, they will not let us help them. They've chosen cunning instead of belief. Their prison is only in their own minds, yet they are in that prison and so afraid of being taken in, of being deceived, that they cannot be taken out of that prison. And they actually can't even hear Aslan's voice. And Aslan is that Jesus picture. Um, And sometimes I think we can get so like that. It's like, I, I can't listen because I might be deceived. I can't listen because I've made mistakes in the past. All I can see is the darkness that's around me. And Jesus says, no, I want to come. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. The other thing about these dwarves is they'd actually become enemies of everybody else. But when they'd become enemies of God, they'd actually been so hurt, so deceived, that they decided, that's it. We're not gonna do this any longer. We are just going to be in our own little group. And they were fighting against everybody that was different. That's how racism, sexism, all those other isms start is by becoming enemies of other people. And I think that starts from becoming enemies of God in our own minds. And yeah, it's it's what we've done wrong that causes this. This is what twists our minds. But that doesn't mean to say that we have to stay there. That relationship with God is broken at the moment for many of us or has been broken in the past. This is the once bit, the what's gone on. But for some of us, this is today. Some of us are still in that place. And actually, God wants to bring us to a place where we're reconciled with him, where we can be free. We can live life with him in truth. And the way that Jesus did that was he changed things by the cross. He made it possible for us to be free. He broke the power of Satan. He came that we could actually know him. We're released from Satan's power because of what Jesus did on the cross. And we're going to celebrate that later with communion. And that is just so beautiful As one of the old hymns says, we're ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. They're true words because of what Jesus did on the cross. So Paul goes on to talk about now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Now, my guess is that if I actually turned around this morning and said, okay, how many of us feel holy, blameless, and free from accusation, how many of us would honestly put our hands up? But the thing is, we are holy, we are blameless, and we are free from accusation. We are set apart. That's what holy means. There isn't blame attached to us. And we aren't under accusation. So if we're feeling like that, if we're thinking that that is true, that's a lie that's coming from somewhere other than God. Because God does not do that. Satan is the accuser. And there are times, you know, when we come close to God, just like Isaiah did in Isaiah 6... We start to see our own sin. And I was going to try and actually sort of have something that had some stains on it that only showed up in ultraviolet light. I just couldn't get it working right. But actually, I think that is still the truth of it. You know, that actually, it's as we come close to God, we see the stains that are there. But he only puts that light on them so that we can deal with them and get rid of them. He doesn't accuse us so that we can feel flattened and try and hide in our little cupboard with our feet sticking out. Okay. So now, we have a new identity. We're reconciled to God. And that's amazing, actually. And we can run towards God as our heavenly father. Because we're holy. We're set apart. We have new goals and a new purpose in life. Sometimes I think holiness has been seen as something where we're set apart and we're separate. That's not what it's about. Being set apart for a purpose. It's like God is saying, okay, this is the job I've got for you. I am pulling you from that, putting you here, setting you apart so that you can be yourself. You can be free in who you are because of who God has made us. Um, we're forgiven, and the things that held us back in the past don't have to hold us down any longer. You know, we're, it, it's so different from sometimes what goes on in our mind. We're, and here in, in verses 12, 13, and 14, it says, And giving joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the holy people in the kingdom of light. When we're saved, we're qualified to do this. We're qualified to share in the inheritance. The only one that's qualified to share in the inheritance in a normal state of events is the child, is the siblings, is the the family. We are God's family. He's put us in that place. We are his family. And he's rescued us. Um, You can read the bits there. Um, We are redeemed. Satan no longer has any hold over us. And yet, too often, we actually give it back to him. We're free. And our lives are meant to be lived free in Jesus, knowing him. But too often we go back to that, aliens and enemies of God in our minds because of our behavior. But now we are free. And sometimes it takes daily going back to those truths and saying, no, I am free. And sometimes it takes going back minute by minute and saying, actually, no, I am free because of what Jesus has done. And as we move into the future, you know, for some of us, the future, as Paul is talking about this, has been ongoing for many years. You know, that's all of the time since I first really trusted in Jesus for me. For some of us, that can start today if we don't know him already. And that living relationship lasts while we continue to walk with him. We have a choice. He's not going to turn around and say, no, I don't like you. But equally, if we turn around and say, actually, no, I don't want you anymore, I believe he will say okay I'm still here for when you turn around and come back like the prodigal son don't abandon the hope that is there for each of us it's there for us to live in minute by minute and day by day thing is what we see here and plenty of other places in Paul's writings is that when we live like this, we actually become a servant of that gospel. Gospel means good news. We sometimes think, oh, it means the book of Matthew or the book of Mark. That's true, but gospel literally means good news. This is good news. And actually, if we have good news, what happens? We share it. We want others to know that it's good news. And we will also live our life with God. And I think sometimes we, we tend to think of the gospel, the good news, as just being, come to Jesus, he'll forgive you, he'll save you, and then you can go to heaven at some point in the future. But actually, the good news is that we are now able to live life as Jesus' family. We are now able to live life with him day by day. That is the most amazing news, actually, that there is ever and could ever be. And that excites me more than the idea of heaven or new earth or whatever. And, you know, that's pretty mind-blowing. But living with Jesus now as part of his family is more Exciting than anything else. And I think that doesn't mean to say it's going to be easy. It really doesn't. And Jesus says it's not going to be. But it does mean that wherever we are, we're with the living God who loves us. Whatever we're doing, we are doing it with the living God who loves us and who knows us through and through and through. So it's kind of a So what with a lot of these things, isn't there? Okay. And I think some of us may well still be in that once time. Or we may have returned to that once time, where in our heads we are still God's enemies. But actually Jesus has made it possible for that to be changed. And, you know, there are people here today that would love to pray with you if you're feeling like that. There'll be people at the back. There's people that maybe sat next to you that you know or wherever. Okay, there are people here. Come and pray about that. Come and speak to God because He doesn't want to be your enemy. He loves you through and through. And He wants to live life with you by His side day by day by day. The most exciting way that we can live life. And no, it's not easy but it is exciting. And I think for those of us that have known Jesus for a long time or for a short time, it's easy to slip back into that old mindset. And we can be living in freedom. We can be sitting in a beautiful field, but just like those dwarves that felt like they were in that stable, we feel trapped and we feel we're not living free lives we feel like we're not living in the inheritance that Jesus has has bought for us we aren't living in that light but those things are still true we are still holy blameless free from accusation we are free and if that's you this morning speak to somebody pray with them Pray on your own. It's not compulsory to pray with somebody else. But it it often helps to really make it more real in our heads when we've said it out loud. And I think, you know, we can, as we think those things, yeah, they're true of me now. They're true of you now. We can live out that good news. We can live out that gospel. We can share that with other people. And, you know, I think it's, it's really good to do that with others. It's where home groups are so, such a value. It's where living life in community with other people. But this morning, as a, a wider group, we're going to take communion. We're going to celebrate what Jesus did on the cross. We're going to remember what he did on the cross. We're going to have an opportunity to thank him for what he's done and for what he's made possible. And one possibility is that actually as we're taking communion, it will be passed round, it will come round to you. But there'll be people at the back to pray. We'll be singing a few more songs to spend some time focusing on who he is. Um, And possibly even just say to someone else, Can you actually remind me during the week? Just ask me, how's it going? Because I know what it's like. Monday comes, Tuesday comes. And certainly by Wednesday, I've often forgotten what was said, if I've got as far as Sunday afternoon. And yet, I know that I want what God is speaking to me to be true on Friday still, and on Saturday, and next Sunday. I don't want the things that God is speaking to me to just go. So sometimes asking someone else to help us can be really good. So Jesus died on the cross to make us free. To bring us back into relationship with him. so that we don't have to be tied by the lies that Satan has thrown at us over the years that have made us his enemies. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke that bread. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We do this now so that we can remember what he did and we can celebrate what that means for us today and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives and for the rest of eternity. And that's really exciting. Jesus also shared one cup among his disciples. This is his blood that's poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Okay. So I'm going to pray and then this will come round and the worship team will come back and we'll have an opportunity to just spend time worshipping, praying, engaging with what God is saying to us this morning. Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross to make us free. That no matter what we think in our own minds, no matter what our past experience has been, we're not your enemies you love us and you love us as your children and i thank you that what you did on the cross makes that possible thank you lord amen